Welcome to the Gerald Brooks Leadership Podcast, a deep dive into biblical leadership with pastor and author, Dr. Gerald Brooks. Hi, this is Gerald Brooks. Thank you so much for joining me for another podcast. Before we go on, I just want to take a moment and put on your radar just a couple of events coming up. On January 23rd, here in Plano, Texas, I will be doing a roundtable. We've got a great group of leaders that are coming in, and we'd love to have you join us for that. We will then be taking that material on the road, and on January 3rd, 31st, we will be doing it in the Seattle area. And so if you're anywhere in the Northwest, this is a great leadership opportunity. And then on February 20th, Thursday, February 20th, I think I got that right, I will be at a friend, Michael Burnett's, and we will be doing a roundtable together. So I just want to put those on your radar screen. The reason I say this is I know it's so easy to listen to a podcast, pick up information online, but I can just tell you from my leadership journey, the most profound moments that I've ever had as a leader were when I was in the room. There's something about being in the room. As I like to tell people, when you study the ministry of Jesus, there were four friends who had a friend who was not well, and they knew that Jesus was in a certain house. They knew that they had to get that friend in that house. And so in getting that friend in the house, they literally tore open the roof and lowered him down. Can I tell you what that teaches us? There's some things that can only happen when you're in the house. And so I want to encourage you, whether it's the 23rd in Plano, the 31st in Seattle, or the 20th in Nashville area, come and join us for one of our uh, roundtables. I think you'll find the environment to be outstanding. And one of the things you'll learn is that leadership is caught. It's just not taught. Well, that being said, today I want to take a moment. I want to talk to you about being a smart leader, being a smart leader. Now, let's just deal with the obvious. No one gets up and says, I want to be dumb today. In fact, all of us want to be smart at what we do. Well, what does a smart leader look like? What does that seem like? I think we're given a great visual of that in Exodus chapter 18. In Exodus chapter 18, we all know the sequence of the story. Israel has come out of Egypt. Now the day-to-day is beginning to set in. People have life issues that are going on. There's no moment that life doesn't invade our circumstances. And now Moses as the leader is sitting down and he's handling a lot of these issues as they're brought to him. Now, it's at this point that his father-in-law Jethro comes and begins to watch him. And Jethro makes a statement in verse 17 and 18. He says, the thing that you're doing is not good. Now, I think that's very important for every leader. You can do things that look good that aren't good. He said, it's not good for you, and it's not good for the people. And that brings us to another thing. Whenever it's not good for the leader, it eventually is not going to be good for the people. So it's at this point that we're going to find that Moses is going to have an opportunity to be a smart leader. And being a smart leader means this. Moses is going to do three things. Three things are going to stand out. One, he is going to listen. Now, 
Jethro was someone he was used to listening to. And as I tell people, leaders can't listen to everyone, but there has to be a group of people that they do listen to. And I would ask you on your leadership end, who is it that you listen to? Who is it that you are able to listen to and you're able to look at them and say, hey, this is somebody that speaks into my life? Who speaks into your life? Now, I'm not talking about a bunch of buddies. I'm talking about people with stature, longevity, and wisdom. Who are those people? I'll tell you, if you've got people of stature, wisdom, and longevity, You need to do everything you can to put yourself in a hearing position where you listen to them. It's not only that he listened, but he's going to learn because Jethro's going to say, here's the way it needs to happen. You're going to hurt yourself because you can't keep doing wake up in the morning until the sun goes down and keep bearing the brunt of all the issues that are coming your way. He begins to talk about some things he needs to do where basically it's going to come down to a leadership development program of people over tens, hundreds, and thousands. And he's going to create a tier of leaders. And he's going to say, let them. And so one, he's going to listen. Two, he's going to learn. But three, he's going to live it. And so in life, smart leaders do three things. They listen they learn, and then they live. They listen. Hey, what you're doing's not right. They learned. You can't do everything yourself. And then they live out the system. Now, the way this is going to translate through Moses' life is this way. He is going to be a smart person because his actions are going to allow him to do things at a level he was not able to do before. And we see the sequence of these in Exodus chapter 18 as Jethro begins to walk him through the full dimensions of the plan. In verse 19, what we find out is because he's listening, learning, and living, he's going to become a person of prayer. And what Jethro says is you'll stand before God for the people. And we've talked to you many, many times that if you don't lead in prayer, you have no right to lead anywhere else. See, if you want pray for the people, don't stand up and say you're going to lead the people. And so the first thing he did was he said, you need to be more pronounced in prayer. And he said, he became a person of prayer. You will stand before God for the people. You're going to stand in the presence of God representing the people because they're caught up in the day-to-day, but you can begin to invite heaven to penetrate the day-to-day of their life. But that's only going to happen if you instigate a ongoing pattern of prayer. So Moses is going to listen, and what's going to happen? He's going to become a person of prayer. Secondly, he's going to become committed to communicate committed to communicate. In verse 20, it says, and teach them my statutes. So not only is he going to be a person who's going to give himself to prayer, but now he's going to be a person who's committed to a wider range of communication. No longer are you handling individual problems, but you're teaching principles that go across the width of life, and they really encompass everybody. And so he says, what's going to happen is if you'll begin to let this begin to happen over here, you're going to have time to pray, and you're going to have time to communicate 
communicate. And then he goes on and he says, and you're going to be able to provide vision. So I want you to get the sequencing of things. He's going to have greater opportunity to pray. He's going to be willing and able to communicate and teach the statutes of God. And now he's going to provide vision because in verse 20, it says, you'll show them the way. Now, all of this is because he's listening. All of this is because he's learning and now he's going to live out. And so he's listened. The thing that you're doing is not good. He, he's learned. I can't do it all by myself. I need others to help me. And now he's beginning to live it out. And the way he's going to live it out is that he's going to be a person of prayer, a person who communicates. He's going to provide vision. And then he's going to develop a plan. And so in verse 20, it says, show them the work that they must do. Show them the work that they must do. Probably the New Testament counterpart of this is in Ephesians chapter 4, where it says that the fivefold ministry gift, the apostle, the prophet, the pastor, uh, the teacher, the evangelist, that their job is to help people to do the work of the ministry. And what's happening is, is he's now become a person of prayer, where he's leading in prayer first and foremost. Now he's communicating, he's teaching the statutes of God. He's providing a clear vision. This is the way we're going to do it. And now he's developed a plan. These are the things you need to do. So all of this is because he was a smart leader. He listened. He not only listened, he learned, and now he's living it out. And he's living it out in prayer, his communication, the vision, the plan. The next thing is he's going to release them to do ministry. Verse 21 choose able. Choose people that are going to be able to step into these roles that you've been filling because you know that there are people that can handle some questions, but maybe not all the questions, but others that can handle the questions that the first group and others that can handle the question that the first two groups can. And he says, choose able men, find people, find people, find people. See, here's what I know about an organization. If the number of people that help you isn't growing, then the organization's not growing. See, most people think they have an attendance problem when they really have a leadership problem. See, if the number of people who help you isn't growing, then the organization's not growing. Attracting a crowd and having a congregation are not synonymous. A crowd are people who will show up one time. A congregation are people who are committed to a greater dream and a greater vision. So here it is. He's begun to listen. He's begun to learn. He's begun to live. He's a person of prayer. He's committed to communicate. He's providing a vision. He's developed a plan. He's releasing them to do ministry. And now he's only going to do what only he can do. That was the goal of Jethro. There are things that only you can do that no one else can do. That's where your leadership needs to be. There are things that only you can achieve and you need to achieve those things and that's where you need to be. 
So here it is. Being a smart leader, he listened, he learned, he lived. It played out in that he became a person of prayer, more pronounced in how he communicated. He provided a clear vision. He developed a plan. He released others into ministry, and he did only what he could do. He didn't get in the middle of things others can do. See, if you want to kill leadership, do everything yourself. That'll kill it. Answer all the questions yourself. That'll kill it. So, this is a biblical example. And one of the underlying truths of this is that as a leader, we don't need information. We need transformation. But we live in a time where information is sort of the premium. Well, did you hear this? Do you know this? Transformation is the ultimate goal of leadership. If you're not being transformed, if others aren't being transformed, then leadership really hasn't happened. So again, being a smart leader, will you listen to people? Will you learn from people? Will you live it out? Will you accept information into your life so it becomes transformation? Uh, Moses is being transformed into a person of prayer, a better communicator, a vision caster, a development of plans, uh, releasing people and letting them experience ministry themselves. And now he's only doing what he can do. In verse 22. Now, with all that sort of as the biblical background, let me take it a step further. What are the characteristics of smart leaders? There's an example of a smart leader, but what are the characteristics of a smart leader? So we have the example, sort of like the prologue that's saying, hey, this this is what the outcome's going to be. But what are some of the characteristics? Let me walk you through a few things that I think are characteristics that we need to know about smart leaders. Number one, smart leaders put themselves in rooms with smarter people. Smart leaders put themselves in rooms with smarter people. See, if ego is what drives you, you put yourself in the room where you're the smartest person. If humility is what drives you, You put yourself in a room with smarter people. In fact, if you're going to be a long-term leader and you're going to grow profoundly, you want people smarter than you around you. People who know more than you, have done more than you, have done it longer than you, you want that. And again, let me go back. For me, the round tables are gold for people who want that. It gives you a chance to be in a room where you can not just be informed, but transformed, where leadership just isn't uh, taught, but it's being caught. So smart leaders put themselves in rooms with people smarter. Now, here's the thing I can tell you about that. It's going to cost you. If you're going to grow in leadership, it's never free. It's never free when it comes to your time. It's never free when it comes to your uh, discipline. It's never free when it comes to your income. After four decades of doing this, the rooms that I need to be in to keep growing are always expensive. They cost me more than they ever have, but that's all right. They do more for me than other rooms would do. 
So smart leaders put themselves in rooms with smarter people. Secondly, smart leaders create networks of knowledge. Smart leaders create networks of knowledge. And what this means is they work at developing relationships with people who have expertise. Now, the nature of what I do is I lead through a pastor's position, which means I have people who come to me who have business questions, who have legal questions, who have medical questions, who have relationship questions. And what I've learned is the best way that I can facilitate pastoring people as a leader is that I have to have a network of people that I can pick up the phone and say, hey, what do you think about this? Oh, what do you feel here? Is this a good idea? Is that a good idea? Because here's what I know about leadership is that if you don't have a brain, borrow one. I'm great at borrowing. I'm great at understanding that there are networks of people that are specialists that are way smarter than me and a whole lot of things and that I am going to put myself and create that network. I'm going to invest the time, the effort, the energy, the relationship equity so that when I call, they'll answer the call. When they call, I answer the call, that there is a equity there that has been invested in. And so smart leaders create networks of knowledge. Number three, smart leaders get outside their sphere of influence. Smart leaders get outside their sphere of influence. So whatever you're in, whatever the bubble is that you live in, smart leaders get outside their bubble. So taking what I say, if you just stay in your denomination, you're just going to be confined to the wisdom of it. If you stay within your field of expertise, you're going to be confined to the wisdom of it. If you stay in your generational mix, you're going to be confined to it. So what is your bubble of of influence? You're going to have to get out of it, and it's going to have to be intentional. And if it's not intentional, you will not get out of it. And there are some young leaders that listen to me right now, and their biggest challenge is they are seen as important as long as they are in their bubble. But if you'll get outside your bubble, God can use you in places that you will never imagine. So smart leaders get outside their bubble, their sphere of influence. And so that has to be something that you do. So smart leaders put themselves in rooms with smarter people. Smart leaders create networks of knowledge. Smart leaders get outside their bubble, their place of influence. And smart leaders don't have to relearn what they've already learned. Now, I want to pause and I want to say this because I didn't say that well. Smart leaders don't spend all their time relearning. When you learn, take responsibility for what you've learned. What that means is that you may not remember everything you've learned, but that you have a process 
where you write down what you've learned. You dive in to what you learn so that if I'm ever in a room where they say, okay, does anyone know about this? I can immediately pull it up either on my iPad, my phone. I can make a call back to my office and I have a whole file on that question because I don't want to relearn what I learned one time. The most frustrating thing is to say, man, I know that but you don't remember it. And having to rethink what you've already learned is a time consumer. It wastes time. And so smart leaders don't have to relearn what they've already learned because they've created a system that when they learn, hey, that's a good thought. I'm going to put it here. Well, that's a great idea. I'm going to put it here. Well, you know what? That's great on management. I'm going to put it here. Well, that's great on relationships. I'm going to put it here. And because you've created a system, you don't have to remember it, but you're also not relearning it because your system allows you to go back and to hold on to it. I hope that makes sense because there's gold in that. Smart leaders put themselves in rooms with people smarter. Smart leaders create networks of knowledge. Smart leaders get out of their area of influence. Smart leaders don't relearn what they've already learned because they have a process that creates a continual development model and they don't have to keep going back and rethinking things. And number five, smart leaders don't try to have all the answers. Too many people think that if you're a leader, you have to have all the answers. And when I was young, I did. And the problem with that is I made up stuff that wasn't true. I convinced myself of things that weren't so. I told other people things. But nowadays, I look at people and I just say, I don't know. People ask me about politics and I'll say, I don't know. People ask me about things that are evolving in our culture and I'll say, I don't know. People ask me, well, do I know the answer to this? And and it's such a complex thing. I'll just look at them and say, I don't know. And see, not knowing something liberates you because you realize you don't have to have all the answers, that a lot of the answers people want from you don't matter. My opinion on a thousand things are not going to change anything, but my opinion on a few things will change. So smart leaders don't try to have all the answers. If you have to have all the answers, you're insecure. So let me walk through it again. Smart leaders put themselves in rooms with people smarter than them. Smart leaders create networks of knowledge. Smart leaders get outside their area of influence. Smart leaders don't have to relearn what they've already learned. And smart leaders don't try to have all the answers. What I know is this. If you're going to lead, you need to be a smart leader. Moses is a great example of someone who took information and turned it into transformation. He's a great example of someone who listened, learned, and lived. And that model needs to be in all of us. That being said, I hope this helps you. Maybe it gives you a few guidelines that you can learn a bit better and you can maybe dive a little bit deeper. Again, I want to encourage you, if you'll go to GeraldBrooksMinistries.com, it has all my books, all my resources that are available.
It has all the specials that are out there as far as combinations of books, flash drive. It also has the list of upcoming speaking moments where the roundtables are January 23rd, 31st, and February 20th, uh, Plano, Seattle, and the Nashville area. And so I want to encourage you to go there. And again, I want to encourage you, get in a roundtable. I think you'll find them to be good moments for you. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for listening to the Gerald Brooks Leadership Podcast. If you'd like more information on Dr. Brooks's books, audio, or speaking engagements, please go to geraldbrooksministries.com.